Hello, and welcome to Dear Franny, the podcast of uncommon conversations about love. I'm your host, Francesca Hoagie. Hello, how are you? I hope that you are safe. I hope that you are healthy. I hope that you are getting the support that you need. I hope that you are staying connected to the people who you care most about in the world. And I hope that you are able to manage your coronavirus, COVID-19 anxiety. And I know that, uh, you know, there's no one who's not affected by this right now. I think there's some people who don't know yet that they're affected by this because, you know, here in the U.S., the testing is very, very, very low. Just a tiny, tiny fraction less than 1% of our population has been tested for the virus. So we know that it's vastly underreported and testing increases. There are going to be a lot more people known to be infected with the virus and it is going to continue to spread. Not to be a total downer. Obviously, that's not what this podcast is about, though I did record an episode about coronavirus and the coronavirus. And um, I'm sensitive to that because my my boyfriend is a scientist and there are lots of different coronaviruses. It's a class of viruses. So we have to be specific in my household and say the coronavirus or this coronavirus <laughs> or COVID-19. But anyway, that's a, that's just a little nerdy aside. This is not what this is about. I did record an episode about it on Sunday. I'm recording this intro on Thursday, March 19th. And um, yeah, things have changed so much even just since Sunday. So crazy, crazy times. To those of you who are really uh, suffering financially, anxiety-wise, worrying about your jobs, worrying about how you're going to pay your bills, worrying about the health of your loved ones or yourself, I feel you and I am sending you as much love as I can through this mic, through the air. You know, these are hard times. So I I think one thing, if, if there's anything good that comes from this, I think it's to remind us all how connected we all truly are. We are all truly connected and we are all affecting each other all the time, even if we're not conscious of it. So to the extent that we can use this pandemic in this very challenging time as a way to remind us of how connected we are and remind us how much we are in this thing together, like this life together, this human experience, we are in it together. So connection is more important now than ever as we are forced to stay inside and to distance ourselves from other people. The only thing that I've been leaving the house to do is to go on my daily hike. I go in the morning and it's this hiking trail that I use. It's never crowded, even during normal times. And it's just a few blocks from my house. So I can walk there. I don't have to touch anything but my front door to get to get out of the house and to get to the trail. And the last couple of days, you know, people have been pretty good about social distancing. The people that I have seen, you know, we really like go on opposite sides of the trail and and stay pretty far apart from each other. So that part is good. But it's also so crazy to me that like, wow, even like in this kind of deserted trail, like you see another person, you're like, okay, I want to go as far away from them as possible. It's so strange. Um, You know, normally, obviously, you would never think about that. You would never think about how you might be affecting the person who you're coming across, or they might be affecting you. But we are always affecting each other. 
on some level. So I don't know. It's, it's just interesting. It's interesting. Challenging. I'm actively managing my anxiety, trying to. I've had some rough nights in terms of not sleeping well. Last night was one of them. Just had so much on my mind about everything that's going on. So I'm excited to have a break from all of that. And I'm glad that you were also taking a break from all of that to listen to this episode. So thank you. I promise I'm going to stop talking about um, COVID-19 now. (laughs) So... And this is an episode that I recorded a few weeks ago. So this was, you know, pre-craziness pandemic. And this episode is an interview with Cameron Glover. And Cameron is a sex educator. And not only is she a sex educator, but she's a business coach for sex educators. So she teaches sex educators how to have thriving businesses. And she is a speaker. She's a content creator. And she is also the host of the Sex Ed in Color podcast. So I, of course, will be linking to Cameron's podcast and also her website and the show notes and her social media. So you should definitely check check her out and follow her. She has so much wisdom to share. I'm super impressed by her and I really loved my conversation with her. So without further ado, please enjoy my conversation with Cameron Glover. Cameron Glover, welcome to Dear Franny. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited. I am so excited. This is my first crossover podcasting experience. (laughs) How has it been so far? Great. I want to do this all the time, but maybe just with you. I don't know. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So I am so just fascinated by you and what you do and how you came to be a coach for sex educators. Like, tell me about that. Yes. Okay. So for folks that don't know me yet, uh, we're going to get very comfortable this episode. So grab a snack. Um, But my (laughs) name is Cameron. My pronouns are she, her, and I am a sex ed business coach and founder of Successful Sex Ed, which is a space where I provide business support and professional development for sexuality professionals. I love that. Okay. First of all, I have to apologize because I keep on calling you Cameron and it's, you pronounce it Cameron. I, either one is okay. okay. I pronounce it Cameron, but mm-hmm. yeah, I'm okay like with that. you using Cameron. Yeah. No, I want to call you by your name. <laughs> okay. My name is Cameron. <laughs> Cameron. <laughs> I love it. How did you come to be in the sex educator space? Like what is your background and what was your journey to even discovering this field? Yeah. So my background is actually in journalism. So I was a freelance journalist for most of my career. And I made the switch because I basically started doing a lot of like culture and sex writing. I was really fascinated with like the how and the why that makes people do things. And I still am like that is really at the core of like what I do with successful sex ed and my coaching and all that stuff. But I was just like writing more and more about sex. And I had this story. I don't even remember what the story was about, honestly, because it was so so many years ago at this point. But I, from there, I was like, well, I'm curious about like, where are black sex educators? So I did like a quick Google search, you know, and well, I was like, well, shit, I can do this too. You know, like the black woman, just like motto of everything ever done. We're always just like, we can do this. (laughs) So so I looked up how to become a sex educator online and there wasn't as many resources back then as there are now. Now that I'm in the space, um, I created a lot of the resources. Where did you even look? Because yeah, it was, it was tumbleweed. 
if for folks that ever dive beyond page one of like Google search results, that's how it looked on page one, basically. So yeah, but I was able to find like a few resources from like Planned Parenthood, ASECT, um, which is the American Association of Sex Educators, Therapists and Counselors. Um, and they are like the only governing board in, I don't know if they're all of North America, but in the US specifically, they're kind of like the governing board for certified sexuality professionals, specifically educators, therapists, and counselors. Um, so they're a pretty good resource to find if you're looking for that. And you can also check out my website as well and my resources. But anywho, yeah, came across a certification program that I am finishing up at the time of this recording. I am like, I'm one paper away from being done. I'm so excited. From there, I just like put my own spin on things. It was just this trial and error of pivoting and trying stuff and being like, mm, this isn't quite the fit that I want. This also doesn't quite fit. And just like seeing what stuck. And I landed here now with mm. business coaching for sex educators. Cause again, saw the need. I didn't want to wait for someone else to do it. I was like, I can do that just fine <laughs> with no business background or anything like that. Because I also am like, I don't need it because I have my own experiences. I know what my community needs and I know how to pivot and switch to make it happen. So that's how I landed yeah. here. Maybe now, are there other business coaches now who specifically work with sex educators? No. Are you still the only one? I'm still the only one. Yeah. So, oh my God, that's so cool. I'm I so excited. I, in 10 <laughs> years, though, I would love to see like an army of us. Just like I want a resource page full of like other business coaches for sex educators. Um, and I would love if like at least half, no, at least 75% of that page were people of color because I yes. think it can happen. I know it can happen. Oh, it totally can happen. Well, it will happen. And um, the fact that you're a pioneer, that is so cool. I just, I, I think to be... I mean, think about this, like think about all the people in the world and all of the businesses, all the industries, all the ideas, the fact that you have pioneered something that no one else has thought of, like, that's really amazing. <laughs> I don't know if other people haven't thought of it, but like, I'm the first person to take action on it. So, eh. Yes, it's true. It's true. Ideas without action are just ideas. And those are a dime a dozen. But yeah, you did it. So that's amazing. So for people who are listening to this and they're like, okay, so what is a sex? What does that mean to be a sex educator? You teach people like anatomy. Do you teach people like, you know, is this yeah. like, you know, most people's ideas of sex ed is what they might have gotten in school. <laughs> oh my God. I'll be, I had terrible sex ed in high school. <laughs> Can I tell the one thing that I remember from my sex ed in high school was our teacher telling us that if you need lube, you're not doing it right. <gasps> Oh no. Oh gosh. Yes. And was your teacher like your gym teacher as well? Yes. Okay. Oh, he was my gym. He was our gym teacher. Can you imagine? I, but yeah. sir, <laughs> sir. <laughs> so there, there's a few things whenever I talk about like, you know, my own kind of like sex ed journeys. So first of all, um, I was raised by a black mother. So of course there was Zane in the house <laughs> and you know, you just like, that is hilarious. I just remember like one day, now I can share this story. I'm a real adult. I'm just like, you know, I got bored one day and I'm just like, what's in here? And I'm just like, oh, let me put this back. 
<laughs> this is a little much. I was way too young to be reading Zane. I'm going to say, I never read Zane, but well, actually yeah. for those who are listening, who's like, what's Zane? What's Zane? Tell, tell, them, tell them briefly what for Zane. Yeah. So Zane is a um, black erotic author, um, which like, I, I don't think people really talk about her in connection to sex education, but I do think in terms of like, black sexuality specifically, Zane does have a lot of like cultural prominence. Just like I think about texts like The Color Purple that have really done a good job of highlighting kind of the black sexual experience for us. And a lot of like sex education resources, they're very white, they're very heteronormative, they're very centered around like a particular paradigm. Like most of the time you have to be coupled or married and it's only something that you do like behind closed doors and it's only something that you do if you want to like reproduce right so it's important that people have resources that reflect who they are so like even in sex education period we need resources that are not just focused on these populations but also that are black that are queer that focus on disabled people that like highlight sex as part of the entire life cycle. We talked about this on my podcast as well, but like a previous guest talked about sex being part of the life cycle, right? And it just like ebbs and flows with you as you get older, you kind of learn different things, but it's not like you hit like a certain age and all of a sudden sex just like goes away or something. It can, or it can also like evolve with you. So I just think it's really important that people know that these resources exist. They're starting to pop up a lot more, which is great because sex educators are also kind of fed up with like, you know, seeing the same like things only catering to certain populations. So I had that. And then I also like before I had sex ed, because I had it very late in school, I had it my 12th grade year, honestly, like right before. Yeah, I think it was 11th grade. Yeah, it was it was really weird. So I actually had I'm in my late 20s at this point. So if there's any like millennials listening, American Girl (laughs) had this like puberty book that my mom got. I think it was called like Taking Care of You or something like that. And it's like a picture of like three girls on the cover. I don't know. It was, but it was actually very comprehensive. So I remember over dinner just like asking her because I was like this as a child, of course. So I was just like, where do babies come from? Over my chicken nuggets. And (laughs) she gave me a very like, you know, clinical answer, but it was just like, well, babies come from like, you know, down the vaginal canal. And that was really it. And I'm just like, Okay. Um, so the next day she like went out and got this book, didn't say anything. She just like laid it at the edge of my bed. And like, that was it. <laughs> that was the conversation. I mean, you got more than a lot of people get. Yeah. She honestly, I'm <laughs> yeah. so grateful that she tried. And I grew up in New Jersey, which is, um, if you look at statistics as well, New Jersey is one of the more quote unquote progressive states. I still had terrible sex ed in school. So fast forward to my 12th year, In high school, um, my gym teacher also taught it. And I remember the very first day, because it was like a health and sex ed combo class, and it was only for one quarter in a four-quarter system, and it was a third quarter. I remember we the very first day, we sat down, she went over the syllabus, and she gets to the sex portion that's like, maybe it's not even a week of content. And she's like, hmm, well, we won't need to dive into this for very long because most of you are having sex anyway and continued on. And I just remember. What? Yeah. So like (laughs) 17, I was, I think I was like 17 at this point. And I just remember listening and I did not have the vocabulary or like the range, right. Um, that I do now, but I just remember being like 
something's off about that. <laughs> and like now that yeah. I'm an adult, right? It's just like, well, that was a really fucked up thing to say because it's just like, what messages are you saying to like young people who do need resources? Because I'm like, just because we're having sex don't mean we're having good sex. That doesn't mean yeah. we're having like- Doesn't mean you're having safe sex. It doesn't mean you're having- It doesn't mean anything. Consensual sex. It doesn't mean, you know, it's just outrageous. Yeah. Wow. So I just like was so, I was like, wow, she really said that. And like, there was no mention about lube. There was, I remember we like had this exercise where we all kind of like, she put a condom over her hand and we all felt it. And what? she was, <laughs> she just went around. She didn't even have the decency to use a banana. Yeah, no, just her <laughs> bare hand. And she was just like, yeah, so like, I can feel all that. So just if somebody, if you're having sex with a boy and he says that like penis won't fit or like whatever, then like he's lying and like you can still feel sensations. And I'm like, I get what you were trying to go. I just, no. Yeah. yeah, and it's just so interesting because now I'm thinking about all of that in my own kind of like teaching of sex education. I'm like, well, now I have a model of what I will not do. <laughs> and so um, kind of to go back to the question, the main question, right? Sex education really focuses it's like an umbrella term, really. So we can talk about things like anatomy, um, naming genitals, understanding what body parts are where, right? And kind of what I like to refer to as the how-to stuff. So how to mm. have safer sex, how to have you know healthy relationship habits, things like that are kind of intertwined with sex education. And it can also look like, well, I may be interested in trying kink or... I don't know, understanding like how sex can look different for different populations, right? In different communities, how to just, I don't know why I'm interested in the things that I may be interested in. It can look like so much and I'm just like endlessly fascinated by like just the evolution of sex, right? And even like recently, like there's always a ton of stories in like the news and culture about sex and sexuality that kind of like come back so like even just this year like talking about ti and like the whole thing with his daughter right yeah yeah going to like with his daughter to the gynecologist to like yeah. make sure she's still a virgin oh mm -hmm. my god yeah and that was really <laughs> yeah. fascinating too because yeah. there were mm -hmm. a lot of like really great conversations about purity culture specifically in the black community and also in addition to like how wrong that is because like hymen's just like a piece of tissue in your body if you have a vulva and it can break from like you just like doing regular day-to-day -day activities like not even sex and even this whole like cultural construct yeah that we put around a piece of tissue that's in the body that's like super fragile anyway it's like <laughs> or even just like recently with um gabrielle unions um and Dwayne reed's daughter as well and like her public coming out and people kind of not really understanding the difference between sexuality and gender and mm -hmm. even like what the process of like transitioning looks like for a transgender person and that that journey does not need to start when that person is over 18 like there are transgender yeah. children and like people know very early on what their identities are and so like there's always stuff that's like in our culture that ties back to sex and sexuality and highlights the importance of the work that I do and so many of my colleagues do. 
Yeah. Oh my God. It's such important work. You know, it's so that whole, like the purity culture, as you say, and the whole like attachment to the hymen and, you know, this idea of virginity, which is so ridiculous. And Mm -hmm. like, you know, there are people who are literally having anal intercourse to quote unquote, stay virgins Mm -hmm. (laughs) and having like oral sex to stay virgins. It's ridiculous. When I was in law school, I spent a semester in South Africa and I was doing an internship and I worked for the Commission for Gender Equality. Mm -hmm. And one of the big issues, actually the primary issue that we were working on was going into like communities and educating people because there's this traditional, and when I say traditional, I mean traditional as in like the last hundred years, Mm -hmm. not traditional as like a thousand years ago. Um, But in Zulu culture, there is this practice of quote unquote virginity testing. And so it's it's like a very common thing. Like people will literally go into schools, line up all the girls, inspect their hymens. And these are people who are not even mm. like, these are not like medical professionals anyway. Mm-hmm. But the, the whole thing is like, it's not sanitary. And literally like give girls, pin like badges to them if they're still virgins. Oh my God. And, um, and it's like, and it's an extreme, and obviously this is not in the US, but like it, it's so bad there because then the girls who obviously like quote unquote fail their virginity test and they start getting this testing at like five years old. Um, okay. I say testing, like mm-hmm. it's scientific, it's not. Um, and you know, the girls who are, not quote unquote virgins then are like, you know, ostracized. And even the ones who are virgins are then targets for like sexual assault because of, you know, various yeah. things. So it's like, it's an extreme example of purity culture, not but it's so- Not that extreme when we think about purity, what purity culture looks like in the US too, because even going back to the TI story, the thing that was like really, that I was ready to throw hands over was the fact that there was a medical professional doing this, knowing that there is no like tests that you can do to prove one's virginity like no medical tests exist period in science in our reality at all (laughs) yeah and so like yeah (laughs) you know the scenario of like the likelihood that ti specifically was searching for a gynecologist that would comply with this is just like appalling too and also ties (laughs) into the medical industrial complex and the way that medical racism happens and how black women specifically, because T.I.'s daughter is 18, like she is a woman. And the fact that he is forcing her to undergo these like, these things that are rooted in like a very patriarchal fear and like Mm -hmm. fear of like female, just like empowerment and like Mm -hmm. individualism Mm -hmm. of self, like it's just so, it's very wrong on so many levels, but I do want to just like stress that out. But there is no test that exists. The only way that you can know someone's a virgin is just by asking them. So. Yeah. Well, also like, you know, virginity is just a construct. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. It's like, yeah, like it has no like value. <laughs> like you are not like a good person or whatever. It just means that you've never had sex before. And like even the... With a partner. Yeah. And even the question of like, what is sex too like that trips a lot of people up because it's just like depending on who you ask you're gonna get very different definitions some people consider it only yeah what is your definition of sex my definition of sex that's a very good question i consider sex to be any kind of sexual experience that you have with yourself or with other people and i think that it's also like limiting to kind of say well a to like not consider sex with yourself through masturbation as sex because i think that that 
it is and it's totally valid and it's great. And Mm -hmm. also too, that there are folks that like don't just have one partner then maybe they have multiple romantic partners, multiple sexual partners, and those are all like completely valid forms. Um, and they can be healthy forms of sexual expression as well. So it really just like, it can look like so many things. It doesn't even need to involve penetration either. And that's another thing that people get really like hung up on. Yeah. And like you can have wonderful, amazing sex that does not revolve around penetration or orgasm or even ejaculation too. It can look like really whatever it Mm -hmm. looks like for you. Yes, absolutely. I agree with that. I think that's a great definition. I wonder how how old were you when you asked your mom where babies came from? Oh gosh, I was pretty young. I was like eight to ten, maybe. Okay, okay, okay. Interesting. I was I was just curious because I think my parent. I don't remember ever getting the sex talk from my parents, um, other than like don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> That was, that was it. But I still actually was somehow rather educated about sex just because, um, you know, I read a lot of books. I didn't have any business reading. I had a sister who was 12 years older than me. So I was like, you know, I would read all her stuff. And she had this book, um, Our Bodies, Ourselves, Mm -hmm. which is, you know, like the classic, classic, total classic book. And I like read that book cover to cover, like at a very young age. And we had HBO. (laughs) I was going to say real sex was also a thing. (laughs) Yes, it was a a thing. So I actually, I was in high school in the nineties and in, in New York city. And it was, was like, like the height of the AIDS epidemic. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, there was a lot of, uh, I I don't know, because I didn't get it in school, but I don't know where I got it, but there was a lot of, you know, just uh, information out there about like safe sex. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so I knew a lot about, I actually knew a lot about sex somehow. (laughs) And I was also just personally, like, I think I just was like a kid who like started masturbating at a young age and, you know, just all of that. But, um, I wonder, like, why do you think that, you know, for you being drawn to sex education, do you think, where was that seed planted? You know, like, where do you think that that particular interest, I mean, other than just generally being interested in sex as a human. um, I'm just like, well, I'm just, you know... a person and yeah I mean, or yeah. I guess like maybe was there a point where you realized like wow people really have an unhealthy relationship with sex and I feel like I'm I'm someone who can do something about that like yeah. I guess like where where was that point where you went from being like I care about sex because I'm a human <laughs> to like I care about helping other people with sex oh gosh that was probably around if I had to place like a time period on it, probably around college. And okay. at this time too, again, like I was, I went to school and I actually thought that I would just be like a writer and an academic my whole life, <laughs> LOL. <laughs> like my goal actually <laughs> with doing undergrad cause I majored in English literature. Like I totally thought that I was just gonna go the academic route and I was gonna teach like African-American literature at a university somewhere and just live my best art teacher on vacation life. Like that's, that was the plan. (laughs) I love (laughs) that. Yeah. So clearly that took a turn somewhere, but (laughs) I like joke around my mom. I'm like, I still use my degree. Like I still write every day. So (laughs) yes, you do. (laughs) But I guess like it started planting for me around then because at that point there was a lot of just like 
growth that I went through as a person. And I was, I hate the term sexually active, but I was having sex at that point, right? And I was having a lot of bad sex. And I say bad mm-hmm. sex in the sense because like it was not, it didn't leave me feeling fulfilled. It didn't leave me feeling empowered because I didn't know how to vocalize like what I wanted and also like the process of just like choosing partners too and like um, bringing in other things that make a sexual experience great, which it's not about like technique or like, you know, big genitals or anything like that. It's just like, are you able to communicate? Can you have a conversation? Do you have a connection? Why do you want to have sex, right? And even just like understanding that for yourself, like can make a sexual experience positive. And I didn't really know how to do all that. So it took a very long time for me to go through my own process of like, recognizing those things and then working on myself with that and also realizing that like I'm you know whisper network talking to my friends about this and everyone's having problems too like maybe not on the exact same things but like everyone stresses that they're not having sex right or everyone does or yeah yeah just like these (laughs) these just like big ideas that we have about sex that we force ourselves to conform to that puts a lot of pressure on us so I just like slowly over time I think those seeds were just planted because I was like well why can't we have the kind of like sexually free and like empowered lives that we want if like we can do whatever we want and like we were talking about this on my podcast as well but like every part of our lives is connected it's not like we can take like money or spirituality or even like sex and like separate it from everything else it all connects back to like our quality of life and so yes absolutely yeah if we're not feeling like fulfilled um and like sexually empowered beings or even feeling like pleasure is a right that we can claim for ourselves that is going to be reflective on everything else and so like i just felt like you know why not like this is something that i want and i know that it can happen and also like i'm not special in the sense that like this is only for me this is a right that everybody has like everyone should feel that they can make like the best choices for them as to what their sex lives look like. And they can choose, you know, where they have it, how they have it, what they like, like, and there like, doesn't need to be this like large stigma about like, you're doing it wrong or whatever, right? So I think those seeds kind of like came out as I went along my own sex educator journey because those were the things I was naturally gravitating towards the why more than the how to do things. Um, and just like, you know, what draws people to do that and that empowerment that like, this can be yours. Like you can make your own definition. You don't have to fit into this box of like what society or your mom or your dog or whoever says that like sex can only look this way well why why do you think that (laughs) and i don't agree with that uh yeah i mean i love that and yeah that whole should it should it should be this it should look like that it should happen like it's uh, should yourself to death honestly yeah you know like should all over yourself stop shooting all over yourself (laughs) 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 i mean okay this is kind of a big question but you know you kind of touched on it already but what would you say is the most common misconception you see people have about sex like adults who are educated and you know they have sexual experience or whatever but they still just have like 
this really common misunderstanding? I would definitely say over everything else that pleasure is a right and not a privilege. And Mm -hmm. that's something that I've just like, I've just been saying for a very long time. And I really think that it's true because like at the core of it all, you know, when I talk to clients and when I talk to people about sex, the biggest thing I think that comes up is like, especially because I focus specifically on working with adults. I don't work with young people and people under 18. That's just not my lane. I just don't enjoy it. So I just don't do it. The biggest thing is that often the people that I work with are carrying like years of like shame and guilt and feeling just like bad about themselves just like really terrible like yeah you know mindset things and just like years of just like shaming themselves and that's a really hard thing to carry and it's just it's not fun it's so hard (laughs) yeah it's oppressive and feeling like they need permission to even want to have sex because they just want to feel good right like I don't want to you know, if I'm talking with a client and they're just like, I just want to have sex, but I feel bad because like I'm a woman or whatever. And they just have this idea in their head that like, because of who they are, they haven't earned the right to feel good. Um, mm, and that just like breaks mm-hmm. my heart too. Cause I'm just like, again, I just feel like we are all like, we don't need to earn anything just by being here, just by existing pleasure is a right that we have just like how we all have the right to like breathe clean air and have clean water to drink and like you know do all the things that we want to do in our lives and like pleasure is also connected to that um and i would highly encourage people if you're kind of struggling with that like pleasure activism by adrian marie brown was a fantastic book to read and it dives into this concept of pleasure being connected to activism and to these different parts of our lives. So they talk about sex in the book, but they also talk about like just pleasurable experiences, period. And if sex is something that you're feeling kind Mm -hmm. of like very charged by and you're like not sure how to tackle that and it feels very big to you, you can start small. You can start with what just feels like pleasurable to you, like a certain smell, a certain activity, right? Certain, um, sensations like you really like how silk feels in your hands or cooking this particular meal is very pleasurable for you right or a particular scent like I love lavender like lavender is a very pleasurable scent for me right starting Mm -hmm. with identifying um where what pleasure looks like in your everyday life and sinking into those feelings and then easing that into um the sexual experiences that you're having as well um yeah so yeah do you think that sexual pleasure is possible for everyone? Yes. Yes, okay. I do. <laughs> Again, I think too that like a big part of that is getting rid of this definition that we have or not getting rid of it per se. I would say being more conscious of it and maybe examining where that definition that we have came from and if it doesn't feel good for us, if it doesn't feel like it fits then like, can I take it upon myself to make a new definition? Mm -hmm. It's really like that simple. (laughs) Like, it's that simple, but it's also like, I recognize that's also like very hard work for people, especially if like, this is the first time you're like thinking about these things. It can be really scary, but like, I've been there, you've been there. Like we, we just don't have like a cultural dialogue around this. So it feels very intimidating and it feels very individualistic, but like, 
we all have been at that part of our journey. We've all been the beginner once, you know, or twice mm-hmm. or how, however many times it takes us to like get through the journey and feeling like our um, sexually liberated and empowered selves. That's so great. You know, every once in a while, um, you know, in my coaching, I work with clients who are, um, you know, they don't have a lot of sexual experience and they have a lot of self-consciousness about that and maybe shame about that because they feel, you know, they have a story that, oh, at my age, people Mm. expect this and I don't have, you know, they expect whatever. Mm -hmm. And I wonder like, you know, as a sex educator, is that something that you encounter a lot? Um, Is that one of the reasons why why people are seeking out sex educators because they're trying to learn more or become more comfortable or become more skilled or, Mm -hmm. you know, or like what, I guess what's, okay, that's one question. (laughs) Um, And then the second question is like, what do you think is like, what is the primary motivation? Who is the, the typical client who seeks out a sex educator as an adult? Yeah, these are really great questions. So the first one, I think that you can seek out a sex educator for various reasons, right? You could want to know a particular skill set or knowledge about a particular thing because, again, sex education is really this umbrella term for a variety of things. So it can be if you are lucky enough to have a brick-and-mortar sexuality shop in your town or a nearby city, then, like, that's a great resource that you can tap into Um, in learning specific skills because these stores often have classes that are like on a variety of things like communication or kink or uh, whatever, right? And they're often very like either all levels or they will specify beginner friendly depending on your comfort level. Um, Yeah, and then there's also too, I um, have a lot of like digital products and virtual offerings and a lot more sex educators are going that route as well. So if you don't feel comfortable um, being in physical space with other people and like learning that, and that's okay too, because there's so many resources that are available online now by sex educators that have the experience and the expertise working through these particular topics as well that you can tap into. So it's all about like finding the right person for you. And there are sex educators of all walks of life too. So there are folks that have like, that are older, younger, that are white, that are black, that are people of color, that are queer, that are disabled, that like carry all these different identities. So like there is truly an educator for you. Um, So yeah, I would recommend again, Mm -hmm. just like looking on ASAC's website or what I recommend people doing. If you follow me or follow other sex educators, look to see who they're following, especially on like Twitter or Instagram, because most of the time we're following other folks in the field as well. That's a good idea. So instead of like- Yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah. And I know a lot of us, um, we get like, I know for me, like my inbox is constantly filled with people asking for recommendations and I can't, like, I physically cannot get to it all. So I try to like have resources available in the form of like blog posts or Instagram posts that shout out different folks. There's a recent post I made for Black History Month with like a bunch of black sexuality professionals um, and a ton more that people recommended because I'm like, I literally don't know every single black person in this field. <laughs> yes, I know. Actually, I added someone to that. To that th- I tagged somebody yes, in, in, in yes. the comments there. <laughs> I love seeing that because there's yeah. so many people that I just like, 
I had no idea what they did. And now I'm just like, this is a living resource that everyone can tap into when it comes to like, if you're looking for a specific sex educator, right, on a specific skill set, or you want to um, associate with someone based on a common shared identity that you have. Mm-hmm. Um, and I will just like make a note to say this as well, because I don't want to assume the identities of p- people listening, but like, even if you are white and hold positions of privilege um, and power, you can still learn from marginalized folks. So in the case, I always like make it a priority to recommend black sex educators first because that's how I identify. And I think it's just really important. But I also don't want people to think that just because someone is black that like their expertise is only rooted in their racial identity and that's mm-hmm. definitely not true like there definitely are not yeah so many great like every single educator i think on that list um their specialty and their expertise is rooted in something else and they also bring their identity into it so just something i wanted to point out as well yeah what was yeah. the second question was like what are I guess who's the most com- like what's one of the most common reasons it depends like you could have folks that are just like they're just curious about it like people like me like I feel like this is very much me as well I'll just go to something that looks cool that looks like <laughs> I might be interested in that and it's maybe it's something I'll try in my personal life maybe it's something I'll try in my professional life maybe I just I just learned about something new and I'm like, you know what? Not my ministry. That's totally yeah. fine. <laughs> Ooh, what's the last new thing that you learned about? Oh, uh, the last <laughs> new thing that I learned about. Oh, <laughs> I feel like that's hard. Like I've been just so like into business stuff. So I've been really diving deep into like business support <laughs> and like business yeah. things. But I think in the last conference that I went to, um, there was... Yeah. A there was a session on polyamory and non-monogamy that I went to that I just learned a lot. And I'm I honestly I'm not I don't identify as monogamous or polyamorous. I feel like I'm just somewhere kind of like in between. And I keep my private life like very separate from like my personal work. So like, <laughs> yeah, I think that's so important when you do what you do. I mean, yeah, yeah it's totally it's like, so that's important. just a line that I draw <laughs> for myself. So I keep like my like relationship with my mm-hmm. partner, like very offline and it's great. It's lovely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was very interesting for me because I just didn't feel like, um, I feel like I learned a lot about just the spectrum of like, where relationship styles can fit and how to adjust them for you. And yeah, Mm -hmm. it was just like really cool being in that space with people that also were on that same wavelength as well. So, yeah. 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 Oh, I love that. Yeah. I am. It's interesting. I mean, I asked you a question that I'm like, oh, what could I I answer (laughs) that myself? Like, what's the last new thing? But what is the last new thing that you learned related to sexuality? Um, man. Oh, gosh. I'm trying to think because I because I've definitely I definitely have remember saying like, I feel so vanilla. Like I'm like, <laughs> there's this whole other world out there, and I'm just like so not a part of. Um, but everybody began right where you were. Yeah. Everybody started off with being like, "What is that?" <laughs> I mean, I guess probably 
similar to you, maybe more about lifestyle choices than, you know, it's not about like, I learned a new like sex act, you know, cause I guess I can, mm-hmm. I kind of maybe, well, I don't know, I mean, I'm sure there's still things that could surprise me <laughs> in that regard, but like more just learning about like, I don't know, maybe like BDSM and, mm-hmm. you know, dynamics within those relationships or, um, or poly, but you know, not that like I didn't know what polyamory was, but I guess maybe just going deeper with people who are yeah. in lifestyles that are just, you know, um, not my lifestyle. So I'm like, yeah. oh, wow, it's fascinating. <laughs> you know, um, there's a whole other world out there. But, um, but yeah, I think I, I just, I don't know. I think I just love to learn. I just started, <laughs> I just started following the chocolate dom. Oh, I love her. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And, uh, you know, that's really interesting to me. Oh, actually, that's something I just learned about. Okay, this is the last thing I just learned about um, is um, financial domination. Mm-hmm. Findom. Yeah. That's new. That was new for me. I was like, huh, interesting. And not that I'm any expert on this at all. Just learned about it. But mm-hmm. for those who are listening, I'm like, what's that? It's like, basically, it's a dom sub relationship where the sub pays the dom like gives her money Mm -hmm. or him or gives them money but there's no physical contact whatever Mm -hmm. whatsoever it's just they get off on giving their money to their dom and i'm like it's like a subset of bdsm overall which talks about um bondage and domination and submission and masochism um which is another kind of umbrella term that has a lot of subsets within it as well yeah it's so deep (laughs) it gets so deep (laughs) i love that actually reminded me conversation i had on my podcast so at the time of recording it's the last episode i did but it was with my friend blackson who goes by kinky black educator on instagram and they are a kink specific um educator and they're black and they do a whole bunch of stuff on race and BDSM, but also just BDSM education period. Um, Their stuff is really, really great. Like I constantly learn from them. And in our episode, they talked about their process, um, their own accountability process. So they violated someone's consent and went through an accountability process of, I believe, like six months. And so they've just begun to... That's major. Yeah. So they just begun to like um, kind of come back into the public teaching space. And so we had a conversation about it. Just being like, you know, what was that like? What was that process like? And also like when we do, you know, mess up and like violate consent, because that is something that happens and it doesn't always mean that it was a sexual assault, right? Like a violation of consent can just be like unloading on a friend and not asking if they're in a space where they can like hold space for you, right? Like that's Mm. a consent violation. So that's one thing. Um, But our conversation was so fascinating and I learned so much, um, particularly around like what an accountability process can look like and also how important it is that we look at alternative forms of justice that isn't just like calling the police on someone, right? Like what does an accountability mm, process mm-hmm. look like between friends or like in a very small um, community, right? A very yeah. insular community. And also like if we are not disposing of people, if we're not saying you are bad because you did this thing and like we will not give you the space to hold you accountable to 
being better. If that's not the route that we're going to take, then like we have to look at alternate forms of what justice can look like, which lead into transformative justice um, and restorative justice models, which we also talked about. Um, and it just gave me a whole perspective about like, you know, looking at my own kind of boundaries with that and when and moving not so much towards like a black and white thinking of like people who commit harm and people who don't, but like looking at the ways that like I can be better at like supporting the people in my life and holding accountability processes when I feel like my consent is violated and also like holding space mm, for people uh-huh. that I know that like also go through that process as well. So yeah. So interesting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's great. And it's something that affects all of us as well. Wow. Well, I'll link to that episode. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. highly recommend people listen to it. And also just like, you know, it's not just about, cause I know in our public sphere right now, there's a lot of conversation about like sexual assault specifically. And it's so important that we have education on that. And there are consent focused um, educators who do work on consent and assault and violence. But when I talk about violence and consent, this goes so far beyond just sexuality as well. This is really, again, it's one of those things that is integrated in all parts of our lives. So it is something that I just encourage everybody to like do their reading on and definitely check out that episode in the resource list in that because we also share resources for people to check out as well that want to learn more about consent and alternative justice models. Yeah, I love that. Yes, I will definitely link to that episode in the show notes. I'm also going to link to the pleasure activism book um, that you mentioned. Um, So uh, this is so great. Oh, gosh, this is great. Um, But I have have a couple more questions for you. Yeah, yeah. So Okay, so my last two questions are about love because this is a podcast about love. Um, And I wonder, you know, as a sex educator and as a business coach for other sex educators, how much does the topic of love come up in your work? Not as often as you may think. (laughs) I mean, like, yeah, it doesn't really come up specifically, but I also like, I don't specifically focus on combining the two so Mm -hmm. that could also be a a reason why because I do like I think that in terms of how we think culturally about sex I think that love gets a lot of the attention not in a bad way like I love love I love Mm -hmm. the concept of love but I think (laughs) that it kind of gets the shine all the time Mm. and part of like a lot of people's and like my own as well a lot of my learning process came from like sex does not need to involve love. Like you don't need to be in love with the person to have a sexual experience and a great sexual experience. You can just like somebody, you may not like them at all, I don't know. But like, you know, that is kind of like, it is a part of what makes the experience the experience, but it's not, I don't think it's a requirement either. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. part of that is understanding your own boundaries and your own fine lines with that. And you can also learn to have really amazing sex with someone that you do love as well. Mm -hmm. So it's all about that balance and like finding what works for you at different points in your life because it will shift. But yeah, I think that it can connect and it can be wonderful. But like, I would just like encourage people to kind of think about like, is this right for you where you're at? And if it's not, that's fine. But maybe how can you shift it to make it work for you individually? 
I love that. That's yeah, that makes perfect sense. And um, I yeah, I, I really appreciate that perspective. And I think there are a lot of people out there who need that permission mm-hmm. to feel like, oh, yeah, I can have great sexual experiences for the sake of having great sexual experiences and having pleasure. And mm-hmm. I don't have to always put it in this umbrella of like, it has to be about, you know, true love and all of that because you know they are i think that when you when you combine those two things like that's like the sweet spot but oh it can be fire (laughs) (laughs) but that's me and that's my perspective you know and that's my lifestyle but it's certainly at this point in my life hasn't always been that way listen i've had you know Mm -hmm. i've I've had sex without love (laughs) let me tell you um yeah i've had great sex without love and you know so and i'm Mm -hmm. i'm grateful for those experiences but um okay so well my you kind of already answered it but the question that I because you're just so good but the question that I ask everyone who comes on the show is if you had a megaphone because again this is a podcast about love Mm -hmm. and all these other wonderful things like sex of course if you had a megaphone that was loud enough for the whole world to hear and you could send out one message Um, and so normally I ask this question if you could send out one message about love what Mm -hmm. would that message be so feel free to answer that but then maybe for you um, to add on if you could send out one message about sex which I think you probably you've already answered it but again just to put a button on it (laughs) what would that be so what's your love message my love message I would say there's so much I want to say because I'm also a long-winded <laughs> individual. So I'm like, just one sentence? <laughs> it doesn't have to so be I, one sentence. It could be a few so, sentences. <laughs> I guess what, the essence of what I would say, because I, I cannot think of a succinct way of saying this right now, but just like the love that we are seeking is already inside of us, which I know is so... Don't Come back. Come back. <laughs> That's too like woo woo for you. No, but hear I me out. That. <laughs> I just think that like it's already inside of us. Like we can show ourselves like the love that we want to see we can show that love to our friends to our pets to our families it doesn't need to be just romantic love and like romantic love again gets all like it gets all the shine in the spotlight and it's the one kind of love that we uphold but like communal love friend Mm -hmm. love platonic Mm -hmm. love like there's so many different forms of love that are like equally as important and popping and that we need to have full fulfilling empowered thriving lives and if we can shift out of solely looking at romantic love as the only kind of love that quote-unquote counts Mm -hmm. oh there's so much love that's around us and if there's i love that and if that's maybe something that is like charging people up because i don't like the word triggered so that's bringing up like words like emotions for you right maybe think about like what what do you love how do you express love in your life right now and also practicing gratitude Again, so woo, I know, but it really is life-changing. It's real. Girl, you were speaking my language. (laughs) I'm all, listen, I'm a Pisces, so, like, I'm into the woo, but it really is true. Like, when you start, like, integrating gratitude as such a practice and, like, every time, I don't know, telling your friends that you love them. Like, I tell my friends I love them all the time. I don't just reserve that for, like, my mom or, like, my partner. Like, I tell everybody that I love, I love them. And that's also, I mean, that's also, like something that I had to learn very early on because my father passed away when I was very young like Mm. I was like only a few years ago so that was definitely a thing that like shocked me because I'm like you know you don't really think about your parents dying when you're 22 but yeah that you know was a thing but I just like always I lost my dad at that age too actually oh yeah and it's yeah you get it yeah and yeah it's hard you can't really explain it it's just yeah yeah 
But like yeah. one of the things that like it really taught me was just like, wow, you really never know what's going to happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And I just always mm-hmm. feel like I would rather the people in my life know that like exactly how I feel about them than like I miss an opportunity telling them how I really feel and letting them know I really appreciate them. Yes. So oh, Cameron, that was beautiful. Thank you. And then oh. my message for everybody, just like in general, y'all already know pleasure is a right not a privilege yes (laughs) that's it that's that's the tweet that's the message that's the saying that is that is absolutely the tweet i'm definitely putting that on instagram so um (laughs) and on twitter and everywhere um that is so beautiful cameron i appreciate you so much oh thank you francesca this was such an amazing episode i really it really was (laughs) i'm so excited for everyone to hear it so thank you thank you thank you you're the best um and is there i'm obviously going to link to your website and to your social media beautiful and to your podcast of course um, all the places (laughs) all the places all of that will be in the show notes but is there anything in particular that you want to highlight to listeners as a way to the best way to reach you or to you know anything in particular that you're working on that you want people to know about yeah so definitely bless what (laughs) the best place to check me out (laughs) is my most blessed and the best (laughs) yes both okay because we can say multitudes best place to reach me is probably the website that's also where you're going to find a ton of these resources so i specialize in creating digital resources in my business coaching so if you're curious about becoming a sex educator how to get started i actually do have an ebook that explains all of it that you can get on my website it's called becoming a sexuality professional the beginner's guide to finding their way within sex ed and it's a guidebook for you to read have all the information and to immediately start taking action steps as soon as you finish to become a sex educator yourself. And I'd also recommend checking out my links on my site as well, because I share how you can work with me in business coaching and kind of working more hands-on with me if you're curious about like becoming a sexuality professional and having a sustainable, successful career in this field. So yeah. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. So fantastic that you have created the resources that did not exist. And that's just great. I love that. Thank you. Yeah. I just, again, I see it. I see the vision in 10 years. Trust me, archive this episode. There's going to be so many sex ed business coaches and I'm going to be here for it. Oh yes, I agree. And actually, I don't even think it's going to take 10 years, but you are definitely you are a pioneer you're a leader it's so beautiful i'm I'm really i'm gonna say i was about to say i'm proud of you i mean i am it's nothing to do with me but (laughs) that's not weird like at all i feel it (laughs) thank you i'm 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 proud to know you (laughs) can i actually share something really quickly yeah um so yesterday i talked about legacies on my instagram and just like how this black history month is teaching me to step in my own power because like as you're Mm. saying all these things this is like the messaging and the self-love i've had to share myself like with myself because again like this is something new like a lot of people are just like camera what the fuck do you do like what is this (laughs) and (laughs) we talked about you know like having to be able to say no and walk away from like people that don't get the vision, but like that can also be really hard and isolating. So like I've been really reminding myself that I am like walking in my ancestors' paths that are like 
okay, you want to help people. You want to like encourage people to live their best lives and to like do what they can. Like this is the path to how you're going to be able to do that. Like I really truly feel like this is my calling. And when I think about that, I think about the legacy that I'm building that like future sex educators are going to know that like you don't have to like work yourself to the bone to be able to do this. That like you can make your own path and everything will be okay. Like that is all part of the legacy that I'm building and like it just makes me feel so proud to like be a queer black woman and to like be a business owner and to just like all these different identities I hold it just makes me so happy and so proud to be here so thank you that's amazing yes yes that is incredible legacy and um I think that the world would be a better place if people thought about legacy in that way, because that's really about service and making the world a better place and it's about like contributing something really amazing mm-hmm. to the world that's really needed. Contributing so. outside of just like what do you do for work? Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 It's amazing. Oh, thank you. And that is the note I want to end on. <laughs> okay. Perfect. All right. Well then let me just stop right now because <laughs> I could definitely talk to you all day, but yes. um, I want to respect your time. And that was a perfect note. Thank you. All right, folks, there you have it, my conversation with Cameron Glover. I hope that you enjoyed it as much as I did, and I hope that this was a nice break for you from maybe some of the woes that are on your mind. Mm-hmm. Um, I said I wasn't going to talk about it anymore, so I'm not. <laughs> Please be sure to check the show notes for ways to stay in touch with Cameron. You can also stay in touch with me. I am at Dear Franny on all social media. I'm especially active on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Dear Franny. And I also wanted to announce that because I know there are so many people who are in a place of real uncertainty and worry right now, I am offering pay what you can coaching sessions for a limited time. So I will have a link to that in the show notes. So if you just want to have a one hour call with me and we, you know, talk about, you know, maybe I'm, I'm specifically offering this and targeting this to people who are worried about whether you are a solo entrepreneur or you are worried about dating or you you're worrying about social isolation in general. Those are the topics that I'm the best equipped to help you with. So if you are interested, if you're in one of those categories, check the show notes for a link to sign up. It's like I said, it's pay what you can. So we'll do the session. It's an hour long and then you decide what you can pay. So I'm just doing this for a limited time. So I'm not sure when you're hearing this, but um, check the link. And if there are times on my calendar, then go ahead and snag one. Okay. Thank you though, for those of you who have been listening to this podcast from the beginning and those of you who are new to the podcast welcome i am so happy to have you here and you know please stay in touch with me if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast go ahead and do that now please i would love that so you don't miss any future episodes i've got lots of great interviews coming up in the future so things are just humming along we're still doing our thing and um, still going to be putting out episodes and still love hearing from you appreciate your five-star reviews appreciate your five-star ratings and your reviews so thank you so much wherever in the world that you are right now. I hope that you are safe. I hope that you are healthy. I hope that you are staying connected to yourself and to the people that you love. And I love you. So thank you so much for listening. Until next time.